check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to the Sports Memory Podcast. We are switching it up a bit today. We are in Esther's Longhouse, which is, uh, I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but it is a bar in my dad's backyard. Uh, no, I don't live with my dad, but yes, we are podcasting in my dad's backyard right now. Uh, today, we're going to be talking some preseason Uh, What we've liked out of what we've seen, Uh, if there's anything that's changed in terms of fantasy from those preseason, we're going to talk a lot of fantasy football. Uh, We're going to talk about mostly just an NFL podcast, I would say today. We are officially a week and a half out from the what most people's fantasy drafts will be. I could not be more excited. Uh, We get a huge mansion every year for our fantasy draft. We go all out and... uh, as, as of this time next week, we will all be meeting at this place that is a bowling alley. And we will be getting drunk as hell every single day until we are, quite frankly, our, our, our fantasy prep doesn't even mean anything by the time we get to the draft. Seems like just yesterday we were driving up very way too early to Tampa for the first, uh, first preseason training camp. Uh, and it's going to be just as quick when we're leaving our, our great building and hating our draft picks and uh, loving our life decisions over that weekend. Yeah, so funny story about that. Uh, I pulled an all-nighter with some friends drinking on my back porch and then uh, went to go to sleep, cleaned up my house so my wife didn't yell at me. Uh, Went to go to sleep and then literally right as I laid in my bed, I get a call from Marcus. Hey, man, I'm at your front door. He was coming to pick me up for Bucks, uh, the first Bucks practice. First practice. First official Bucks practice of the year. So, needless to say, I went there on zero sleep. And uh, it was a good time, though. Yeah. Bucks look good. Yeah. And Tristan Wirfs looks so good, man. Tristan Wirfs is a fucking monster, man. I'm still man crushing on him. It's hard not to. You got that that kind of size and athleticism. Oh, my God. That was always my thing. I was always like, dude, I'm super fucking fast for my size. There's always for my size. And then you see a guy like that, and you're like, fuck that guy. (laughs) (laughs) The thing about football players, the reason they're so jarring to see in real life is because it's not just that they're tall. You see tall people all the time. It's that they are that built for being that tall. When you see a six-foot-seven offensive tackle, and they're 340 pounds of just fucking man, it is crazy to see. Um, and, yeah, just I – I remember when I was a kid seeing the first NFL player. It, it really is. It's like this is a real human being. <laughs> it's like uh, when I saw Ollie, you know, obviously, you know, at school saw Ollie, and he's, you know, peak college shape. He's a little lighter than he is in the NFL. He's 6'9", 315 with a six-pack. And I'm just like, fuck this guy. <laughs> Ollie Vino- Villanueva. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, like, literally looks like a fucking yeah. Greek god. Like one of those statues. <laughs> like this is ridiculous. You can't pass pro for shit, but uh, – well, I mean, he was now. pretending to be a wide receiver back then. That was his junior year. He was a he was a wide receiver, blocking wide receiver. So I love, I love that guy, man. Yeah. So sure. preseason football, man. Uh, we I feel like the first week was pretty uneventful, except outside of the rookie quarterback debuts, which were pretty interesting. And um, we're getting to see more and more of these rookies. But one man who's not a rookie, who we saw a lot of last week, and it seems to be the talk of the town, is Jameis Winston, who. Probably be the MVP this year. I don't know. I I think, you know, we, we made a lot of jokes about him getting LASIK, and it's like, oh, well, he couldn't see. Um, but in the back of my head the whole time, I was like, but, like, what if he really couldn't see? And it, it's looking like that's a possibility. I mean, it's it's still, you know, let's not get too, you know, bought into preseason football. But at the same time, he looked he looked like an NFL quarterback. He looked really good. Um, 
if he does not win that starting position, then Sean Payton is only successful because of Drew Brees. He has no fucking idea what he's doing. Well, you know, Drew, you and I, we, we've had man crushes on Jameis for forever. Um, truthfully, obviously he's still young, but young-ish as far as quarterbacks go. But maybe, maybe being humbled, getting you know benched, cut, released, and then being a backup in New Orleans, maybe that is you know maybe the kick in the ass that he needed to uh, be the quarterback that you and I have always anticipated um, him becoming. We knew he had the physical traits, and we were always like, oh, it's what's between his head. But maybe it's not. Maybe it's in front of his head. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's just the fucking eyes. I I actually agree, and you know that it's it's always been James's problem. Like you know he's he's the guy that stood up on the cafeteria table at FSU and said "effer in the pussy" in front of students and got suspended for that. Like he, he, he's always the, the talent, physical talent's always been there. The guy just, he's a little immature. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it's true that he was definitely immature. Uh, he made some mistakes early on, but humbled is a great word to describe what James is going through. And everyone's laughing at his off season workouts. And he did another weird one right before this game against the Jaguars. Um, dude's working hard. He, he knows the place he's in, and, and he's not just a little young. He's really young. He's 26. He's only two years older than Joe Burrow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's wild. That's actually very wild. I, I would have never guessed it was that close. Yeah. I mean, he, could, he could easily, let's say he, get, he gets it together enough to, to start. There's another 10 years in front of him yeah. if, he, if he's productive. Oh. I, I don't even think Aaron Rod- I, I think this is right around the time when Aaron Rodgers took over for Favre because, I mean, he missed four or five years coming out early. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. so – um, but it, obviously, the way the way that everything works now, better produce and not fuck up ever. Well, right now, day one. I've said it since Jameis was drafted, and I feel like people misrepresented who Jameis was because obviously I'm a Florida State fan, so I watched every play of his in, at FSU. I went to see him get embarrassed at the Rose Bowl in his last college game, which was, by the way, his only college loss. Uh, he got a lot of comps, and I don't think any of them were right. Jameis Winston is a mix between Ben Roethlisberger and Peyton Manning. The, the, those are those are the two guys that I would I would compare him to. He's got the gunslinger attitude that Peyton Manning and Roethlisberger has. Has the size of Roethlisberger. The the he's not fast, but he's he's smart with his feet, and so he's oddly mobile. Um, he's going to play till he's thirty eight if he plays his cards right and takes care of his body. Uh, but let's bring it down to earth a little bit. This is the Jaguars, and as bad as the Jaguars' starting roster is. <laughs> He's playing a lot of second strings, so um, yeah. But he, but he was dropping dimes over Griffin, Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl DB. But I mean, obviously, nonetheless, it's um, it is preseason. But that was beautiful to watch. I, I'm a, I have such a man crush on Jameis Winston. It's it's embarrassing almost. It's just exciting to see him get another opportunity because you know, just assuming he wins the the starting position, um, that's a good defense. You you don't have to do much to be successful there. It what a bummer for him too, though. Like losing out. Like Michael Thomas might be gone, you know. Yeah. He might he might not even have Michael Thomas this year. But I'm telling you, I mean, Jameis he elevated the shit. He elevates every wide receiver he has. So gamble big on whatever. If if Jameis does win the starting role, and it's insane he hasn't already. Sean Payton refuses to come out and name a starter, which is wild. Taysom Hill looks terrible, and it, and it, and for for Taysom apologists, it's not like Taysom. Taysom got second, you know, reps in this last preseason game. But the fir- the game prior to that, he got first team reps. So he played with all the starters just prior to that. So a lot of people are like, "Oh, he's thrown to backups." He didn't just the previous game, and he still looked terrible. It, it, we saw it in the regular season. He's not carrying any team. Uh, 
You know, he, he's a good football player. He's probably a guy you want on your team because he's versatile and can do everything, special teams included. So that type of value, it, there's no, like, number you can really put on it. But as far as being the lead guy, no thank you. And we, we talk about, you know, Jameis being surprisingly young just because of, you know, how he came on. Taysom's surprisingly old. The dude's 31. <laughs> yeah. yep. Like, what? let's say he's successful this year or, or he wins a starting job. You're looking for a new, another quarterback three years from now, four years from now. So, I mean – that's another edge I would give to, to Jameis. That's why I think uh, Sean Payton is playing this all wrong, right? You bring in a former number one overall pick last year, and then you start Taysom Hill. And the only reason that Taysom Hill looked playable in that series is because he played Atlanta twice. <laughs> he played Atlanta, and then he played some other team and looked terrible, and then he played Atlanta again. He looked awesome against Atlanta twice. Jameis Winston has diced up Atlanta his whole career. Like, this this is this is a guy I... And, and listen, I know, we, we're, we're Jameis apologists, pretty much everyone on this podcast. I almost wish we had Brandon here to, to ground us a little bit. But all, all I'm saying is, last year you had Jameis on a one-year contract. Why not throw him out there and see what he can do? Yeah. It drives me fucking nuts. I mean, I, I, I know in the middle of a, let's say you, you probably have those plays already installed for him, things that, that really accentuate what he does well. Um he's a lot more difficult to prepare for if you're an opposing team than Jameis, who's a pro-style quarterback, is going to drop back and throw the ball. Maybe they're thinking on short notice, we'll take any edge we can get and play the guy that's hard to prepare for um, just to make sure we make it to the playoffs, but I, I don't know. So I think one reason that why you wouldn't play Jameis last year is because you can get him cheap again this year. Obviously, no Drew Brees is going to be finishing out last season, so you don't want you don't want to get too much on tape for Jameis to the point where you're going to have to pay on double what you you know what you would this year. I think that'd be the only reason. Uh, still business. Yeah, it's 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 still business, man. And you know you want to win, but you also you, you know they probably could have saved five million dollars on Jameis alone in one year. But. Also, putting your team on the line for that gamble, that makes no sense. And, and I'm, I'm sorry, but, like, uh, you're telling me that they couldn't have started him for three games and locked him up for, let's say, you know, like, three years, $30 million, if, if, if he would have played good or, or something like that? Like, I, I don't know. James, James is playing for fucking peanuts right now. He played for, he played for like, $1.5 million last year. He got, he got a bigger contract this year. But, like, there were disc golfers last year making more than Jameis. Straight up. There were. Didn't Sean Payton onside kick the ball in the Super Bowl? Like, so, I mean, man gambles. Yeah, man gambles. <laughs> man gambles, but I think it's not a gamble. I think the guy truly believes that much in Taysom Hill. He, and, there's, and there's a bit of, hu- of hubris there. Oh, it's massive hubris. The, the, the guy, he, so he's made statements like, Taysom Hill will start a playoff game. And I think he's one of these fucking dick-swinging dudes that he has to make that happen. He, he has to make it happen. But what to make of the Jaguars? Urban Meyer. Is Urban Meyer an NFL head coach? I mean, I've, I've called it since the beginning, so I, I, I'll step out on this on this conversation. But just what do you think of Urban Meyer so far? Um, I, I think he's handled things well. Um, maybe made some poor choices, but I think he's reacted properly. Uh, obviously, cutting Tebow, uh, getting rid of uh, the strength coach, Um Obviously, it's a different ball game. We're, we're going to see how these pieces fall. Um, but I've, I like the Jags. They, they still have some young, talented pieces all over all over the defense. They're not going to be good, but going in, you know it's going to be a rebuilding project. I can guarantee you they're going to have a better record this year than they did last year, though. I mean, the number the, the team that, that drafts number one overall, it's not like he came and the, the, you know, the, the cupboards are full. 
Uh, he was going to be in a bad situation. But the thing is, for me, and, and I was extremely critical of the hire, extremely critical of him before every step he's ever been, the couple obstacles he's faced so far, I think he's he's taken the right fork in the road. Um, I really thought I, I thought Tebow was going to be a productive member of that team because he was going to make it happen. He didn't. I thought that he would drag on and kind of fall into this Gardner Minshew thing and, and kind of waffle. He hasn't. Um, so I, I've been mildly impressed so far. I I couldn't disagree more. I, I, I think the guy, well, first of all, it's just preseason, so I can't judge his game plan too much, but I watched that entire Saints game. Their fucking offense looks atrocious. Like, if, 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 if that is even slightly s- symbolic, and you have to assume the guy's never played an NFL down or, or coached an NFL down in his life, you have to assume that he's at least testing somewhat of plays that, he, that he's going to run in preseason. I think this season's going to be a disaster. I, I don't even know what I had him for wins prior to this. I, I, th- I think he wins four tops. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they're going to be good. And I, I, I think I would take the under on four, probably. Um, but I don't think, again, I, I, if, if the ghost of Vince Lombardi took that team over, they'd still probably be a three or four win team. Yeah, yeah. We're not expecting them to, uh, you know, start off 6 0 or make, you know, make the playoffs. But I, I think four or five wins is well, well within the realm. Plus, you know, they get to play Houston twice, and uh, Deshaun's not going to be there for the first four to six weeks. But, um, 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 but I, honestly, I think for me, the biggest question is really Trevor Lawrence. And uh, and I know we're going to get into a segment later, but uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence really hasn't shown anything. He's not looking good, not looking comfortable. Preseason is one thing, but some of the rookies are at least having some smooth transitions into um, – like into their professional careers and Justin Fields has by far been uh, my favorite to watch um, out of the top five rookies from the first round. Trevor Lawrence looks uncomfortable, I think, but he's got a gun. Oh yeah. And man, does he look good in that Jaguars Jersey? I gotta mm-hmm. say, I don't, I have not seen a lot of guys that they like in that Jaguars Jersey. He looks fucking good. Yeah. Doesn't he? Yeah. That was my first impression. I was, I was at a, I was at a bar in, uh, in Charlotte I'm completely by myself, and I like it's like forcing conversation on other people around me at the bar. I'm like, "Hey, Trevor Lawrence looks good in that jersey, huh?" And this guy's like, "What?" He's fucking. Handsome. And I'm like, "Trevor Lawrence, he looks good, doesn't he?" And the guy's like, "Okay." <laughs> I was just, I, I was like, "Uh," so then I was like, "Oh, back to the group chat." <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think the vibe that I've gotten from him, just like looking at him, like in college, you're like, "Oh, something, something big's about to happen," like. Kind of like when Aaron Rodgers touches the ball and he drops back or like rolls out, you're like, "Fuck, something's crazy is about to happen." Don't haven't gotten that like feel or sense from him when he is doing anything yet. So you know, but uh, you know, obviously, that's getting your feet wet, I guess, in the in the pros because it's a different game and you know, different talent sitting around him now. Have you seen the ball leave his hands? He's got a cannon. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the the physical traits are there. That's why he's been the you know the number one uh, prospect since probably eighth grade. Guys, it's why I doubt. Urban Meyer, the whole thing, like, okay, you got a, you got the number one pick, Jaguars, go got, go out and get a season coach. They go get Urban Meyer, who's never developed an NFL quarterback in his life. He's 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 run the spread offense his entire college career. It's not a pro style offense. Why was Urban Meyer hired? He doesn't have the traits to be an NFL coach. I'm sorry, he's never been known as this genius playmaker. He's in he was an elite recruiter. A player's coach that could bring guys into his organization. You can't do that in the NFL. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, with, with with that being said, though, uh, Rams, 
they go out and they they amend their running back situation with Sony Michelle. What, what do you guys think about that? Um, completely expected. Uh, I mean, I, I said, you know, we talked earlier about what we think and is you know, Daryl Henderson going to be the guy? And, and I, I mean, I said, I, they just never seem to want him to be the guy regardless. They'll give playing time to, to anybody, you know, Malcolm Brown, whoever it could be. Um, they, they go out of their way to make him not the guy and they added somebody to the roster. So now he's not necessarily the guy. And, and I think that really muddies that, that situation. I don't know if there's enough carries for any of them to be rosterable as far as is playing somebody uh, on a week-to-week basis i don't even know if rb3 cracks i mean you, you should if you're flexing one flex spot should be wide receiver anyways probably uh, especially compared to either one of those guys so barring injury i don't i don't like either one of them um but from a productivity standpoint they're probably gonna make a really really adequate two-headed monster as far as uh, equal touches you know i think they complement each other well sonny michelle a little bit of a pass catcher um, but he, he just never stuck in New England. He doesn't seem to have that gear. Uh, you see a lot of guys, you know, when they make their cut, they're explosive. Like, Sonny Michel just kind of, like, wanders around the football field. Yeah, it, it almost makes you wonder if it's kind of like a scheme-driven thing because uh, the talent's there. Like, he was taken in the first round for a reason. Um, it, it could, you know, obviously McV- McVay's got some um, it's an offensive mastermind or whatever, however you want to call it, but um, – could be like a career resurgence for a Sonny Michelle, but I, I, he should he should be the backup role. But there, Henderson's really never been like super healthy. He, he's gotten banged up pretty good in his career thus far. So I honestly I thought it was um, I thought it was a win win deal for for New England and the Rams. Both fill kind of needs going forward. Um, but this is also going to be it could be a last opportunity for Michelle because next year when Cam, you know when Cam Akers comes back. Um, he, he doesn't get the, as many opportunities, so he's got to put some good shit on tape this season for next year for some other uh, uh, suitors going forward. Yeah, I think what we saw at Sean McVay's offense last year, that's what we're going to see going forward. And so Sonny Michelle, him getting Sonny Michelle, he, he needs a stable of running backs. He's going to run the Bilicek style. So I don't think you can trust any of these guys. I do still think Daryl Henderson's going to have a, a really productive season. And if you had to bet on these two un undependable guys Shake funk, baby. i would i would i would definitely bet on henderson uh but this shakes up the fantasy rankings significantly because the thing, the thing that scares me is like they both become very touchdown dependent and you don't know who's going to get those goal line carries yeah and pour one out for jake funk i know that was devastating for you marcus but uh yeah jake funk the sixth rounder great way of, hope yeah <laughs> he actually had a great last year in college but uh yeah they weren't going to be depending on him but I, I don't even think this is the end. I think I think Sean McVay still got another transaction, maybe even midseason. Um, and I'm not talking about a trade. There are there is a plethora of free agents out there. It's insane, the, right? It's insane. There there are so many good guys, and and maybe there's something I don't know about these guys. But um, on this list, Chris Thompson, uh, a really good versatile uh, pass catching back, who I feel like. You know that if, if they were going to bring in someone, it, it would be someone like Chris Thompson, Frank Gore, obviously the eternal one. God, I hope, dude. I, I are, are you guys? I'm, I'm, I'm so, I'm so, I'm anxious for Frank Gore. Do, what, what it, I, I hope it's not over. Do, do you kind of want him to like sign with who, whatever team he signs with? I kind of want. He needs a Super Bowl. That, that yep. guy, that guy needs it. Like he deserves any, everything. It'd, yeah. be, it'd be beautiful for him to watch, and, and uh, the Rams could be a really nice fit because they're obviously a, a contender. There's there's three borderline Hall of Famers that are free agents right now. 
Uh, Adrian Peterson, who's a first ballot Hall of Famer, he will be inducted immediately. Uh, Frank Gore, I th- I, he will definitely be inducted, but I think it'll take him a few times. Uh, and then even Sean McCoy, with Sean McCoy, he's going to be in the conversation like 15 years from now. He's going to be one of these guys who, you know, the Eagles are like, you got to get with Sean in. He did have a, a ridiculous eight-year run in his career. Um, he's going to be a guy that will probably eventually make it into the hall. He's out there. Like the uh, Andre Reid treatment where it like, takes him a little while to get in. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, uh, of course, there's uh, Todd Gurley. Is there any chance the Rams bring Todd Gurley home? No, no. He had some unfavorable things to say about the organization when he left. I, I, so, does I, Sean McVay give a shit about that though? I don't think he does. I don't think he does, and he may have enough juice as the as the head coach to make that decision unilaterally, or just to tell ownership, "Hey, fuck you, I'm doing this." Oh, dude, he's the GM. Yeah, you can't convince me he's not the GM. Yeah, yeah. So if, if there's a handful of coaches where okay, they could probably make that happen. Yeah, and, and, and that conversation, that was another thing that kind of, like, blew my mind. Gurley's 26. Another guy young. No, he just turned 27. 20, 20, like, I, six days ago, he turned 27. I, I see. Still, like, he should have another, like, five elite years, man. Talk about, like, a talent that you really wish we could have gotten to, like, see explode through. Like, That's the scary are, thing about running backs is, like, they all have a shelf life, and you just don't know what it is. Yeah. Gurley's the oldest 27-year-old ever, though. Yeah. And this is – I'm looking at Marcus over here with a little uh, – <laughs> Well, uh, cummerbund, protect, cummerbund. <laughs> protecting his spine, and then me, who every single time I stand up, yeah, and and then Derek with his myriad shoulder issues. We got some beat up early thirty year olds in the in the room right now, uh, but Todd Gurley is a <laughs> a lot of fucking miles on that guy. Oh, for sure. Beware of the Georgia running backs. Too many miles on these guys. I thought both Michelle and Gurley were going to be great. I actually thought more of Michelle. Really? Yes, I did. I I, I love Michelle in, in college. I, I just thought he was so versatile. And but wow, if 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 Bilicek can't man, make anything of you, but you know Michelle, when he's on the field, he's very productive. So he, he's he's at least intriguing. But from a running back standpoint, fantasy wise, this shakes up the whole board because there are very few running backs when you look over the top twenty guys that aren't in some sort of timeshare. Yeah, and I think you know we we brushed over the other team that I think factors in this. To me, Robinson shoots up my board. Oh like, my god, yes! Like to the top because his backup is like Ozigabo, who's like so not what? a threat for anything. <laughs> Nobody. It's gonna it's gonna be Robinson all day. They're, who are they gonna bring in? Raquel Armstead, right? <laughs> so no, he just got COVID for the sixth time. And, and the hard the hard part too is you talk about you know you talk about those vets like Frank Gore is not gonna go to Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Adrian Peterson is not gonna go to Jacksonville. So they they almost have to sign somebody that gets cut from somebody else's roster and and, and hope that they can snake charm them over to Jacksonville to the fucking <laughs> armpit snake of America. Charm. Be like, hey, by the way, there's no state income tax. So uh. that's like the only, that's your only sell. It's like, hey, you know all the worst things about Alabama. Okay, now just move that down to Florida. <laughs> you know what's funny though? I, I could see Frank Gore going to a place like the Jack- Jacksonville just to keep playing. He no, he would he would fit. Honestly, he he would actually probably fit pretty well there. Yeah, it's it's a it's a run. It's a really young running back core. He'd be a good veteran presence to have in there. I think that might happen. I mean, he's he's like almost the same age as Urban Meyer, though, right? <laughs> Dude, <laughs> he might be older. Frank Gore is elder. Frank Gore. He's been around since the 1800s. Okay, so he's like, yeah, he's, he's a solid 300 years old. Yep. <laughs> he, was, he, he fought in the Battle of 1812. Uh, that He's been around forever. 
That's awesome. He will be around for I I I can't I can't stomach that this is the end for Frank Gore. I I, I think about it more than I should. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just for content reasons, but uh, what's <laughs> so? I mean, running back seriously, like it's you got to go out and get your guy in this draft, and if you don't. You got to load up on wide receivers or find another strategy because I, to me, when I look over this draft board, there are a couple bell cows and then there's everybody else. Yeah, I, I, I think we're starting to get to a point where, like, you know, four or five years ago, like, oh, I can't believe you reached for that guy. I think now, you know, as as everyone plays more and as the positions kind of evolve, go fucking get go get him, even if it is going to be 15, 18 positions early because there's nothing worse than not stretching or reaching for someone, and then they get picked three, four spots ahead of you, and it just ruins your rest, the rest of your day. For sure. And it's just the way the NFL is heading. I just don't think there's the running back depth there. There's not enough systems that are running back-centric or even running like running back's an important position. I mean, there there are game plans where some teams are going on throwing the ball 55 times a game, so it doesn't matter who the running back is. It's not like it's you know the passing game wide receiver where you're like, okay, regardless of the name or the person that's there, I like wide receiver three in Arizona because I know <laughs> they're going to spread it out. I don't care who the fuck wide receiver three is. If somebody gets hurt and there's a new wide receiver three, I want that guy. At running back, it's it's like I don't even know if I want running back one for most teams. Yeah. I just remember playing in Little League. The running back was always the coolest dude. In the NFL, the running back is like, hey, man. Zeke. I feel bad for you. <laughs> like, <laughs> hope, you, hope you stick in this league as long as you can. Running backs are just so expendable. But when yeah. I look over this top 20 board, I see a lot of guys with timeshares, and it really concerns me. Even Nick Chubb at six. Just Cream Hunt. If Cream Hunt was on any other team, he's probably at seven. Well, that, you know that's, what I'm saying? That's the thing. Like, you have all these teams that don't have one running back, and fucking the Browns have two. Yeah, yeah. For me, for me, like like Chubb, for instance, like w- with that type of a share, I, obviously he's a rushing leader last year, seventeen hundred yards. Still, it's it's so much risk when you talk about top five, top six type pick. But hey, if that's your guy, go get him. But for me, I think he's a early early second rounder, late first. So like right right in that type of a window where you're still getting your production, but. You, I want someone who I'm guaranteed getting 20 some odd points a game. I don't, I don't like him where he's at because he's a guy that could, you know, score 25 and he could score like 12 or 10 or nine because for whatever reason, Kareem Hunt had all the touchdowns that week. Yeah. And I, I'd rather, you know, if, if you've got two guys side by side, and I know I've said this a million times, if they're going to score the same amount of points, I'd rather have just a peanut butter spread. I, give me 15 every single week. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking uh, Chubb comes in. He's got 27 carries for 113 yards and a fumble, and Cream Hunt's got seven catches for 80 yards, two touchdowns, no carries. Right. You're like, fuck. And that, could, that, that stat line could happen three three weeks. Yeah, They complement each other too well. Cream Hunt is too good of a pass catcher, and Nick Chubb is too good between the tackles. So Nick Chubb's going to get the first and second down carries, and Cream Hunt is dependably going to come in the, on third down. A lot of third down plays are touchdown uh Touchdown plays, especially, especially when you get down the like goal line. They're like, okay, we're going to run the ball on first down. Oh, that didn't work. All right, we're passing it three more downs. Well, it's kind of funny that Georgia running backs, Gurley and uh, Michelle go first round, Chubb goes second round. He's, he's probably going to have the best career out of the three. Oh, yeah. I, I believe it. And then Aaron Jones, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but A.J. Dillon, holy shit. And Aaron Jones, I have a soft spot in my heart because he commented on one of our posts. Uh, God bless you, sir, for doing that. But, uh, uh, AJ, AJ Dillon's a fucking stud and it worries me. And, and here's why it worries me. You're telling me this organization didn't look at what went wrong last year. What went wrong? They weren't a physical team. No. What went wrong is Aaron Jones was useless in the playoffs yeah. last year. Yeah. So I could see them using AJ Dillon early on straight up. 
Why not? Aaron Jones, he's a he's a he's really good player. He's, yep. he, he's the guy you want to start in the playoffs. You want him to be fresh. If I'm that organization, I start AJ Dillon in like a 50-50 timeshare. And and what happens if all of a sudden week week one, you know, Aaron Jones has 15 carries and AJ Dillon has 14? All of a sudden you're fucking terrified. You're sweating. Yep. Sweating. Yeah. And especially, you know, you talk about touchdown dependency. Who are you gonna get the ball down the goal line? Are you gonna give it to, you know, to 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 Jones, or are you going to give it to Dylan, who's 250 pounds? I think it's still Jones, just because of how dependable he's been, and he's he's also super versatile on the on the receiving end. But yeah. AJ Dillon, he just concerns me because he he's Derrick Henry like in a lot of ways. If if, if, if any if, if history is going to tell us anything, Aaron Jones is probably going to get hurt this year. So uh, outside of Derrick Henry, running backs who had big contracts, um, obviously Barkley was young, injured, McCaffrey. Big, big contract hurt. Gurley, big contract hurt. Like every, it seems like any time these running backs are getting their big contracts, early w- warranted or not, they're hurt and they are not productive. But and if if you're listening to this right now, <laughs> I will tell you that if you want to know our history on things, me and Marcus fade Aaron Jones so hard every year, much to our detriment. I had the chance to keep him last year in keeper, and I and didn't. It's, and it's I'm, not exactly breaking. Like running backs get hurt. Breaking news. Yeah. No. But but. <laughs> He's 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 for this year. No, he, I'm with he, you. He's he's the guy to stay away from. Well, no, there, there's no value there. That's the biggest thing we talk about value all the time. You're not getting value on on Jones where he's going. So I'm, we're only at number seven on the top twenty running back list, and I, I really do, I just think it's it's really important because you got guys like Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Derek Henry, Alvin Kamara. These guys, Ezekiel Elliott. These are guys that are going to absolutely command their backfields. Uh, let's talk about Jonathan Taylor and, and Zeke was another one, but uh, yeah, uh, fucking. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, uh, Marlon Mack. It's crowded. Let's so, so talk crowded. about it. I, I think that one's intriguing, but, man, did Jonathan Taylor really separate himself? Uh, I think Naheem Hines is he's going to be more of the third down back, so obviously you're losing touches. But Jonathan Taylor, I, I think he performed better than I was anticipating. Um, obviously, I was wowed by his speed. I didn't think he was that fast, but man, he he made a damn smooth transition from college to the NFL. He, he's a fun guy, but it it's at such a question mark that I think I've seen him as high as like RB five. He's he's super good. Yeah, I, I'm not worried about Jonathan Taylor as a player. I'm worried about what the Colts are going to treat yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, the, the split because right now you're like, okay, well he's young. How much do we want to Marlon Mack? Talented, another talented guys. Guy. This is a guy that's just getting drafted in the third round just a couple years ago. This this is a guy who had a fucking ridiculously productive year just a couple of years ago. It I'm just saying it, it it worries me a little bit with Jonathan Taylor. And this is another situation like if the Colts. If, if, if their destination is the playoffs, which obviously they think it is, you probably want to keep Jonathan Taylor fresh. I don't want to put anything on the universe because I have a lot <laughs> riding on Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> on Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, and then and then just other guys. Antonio Gibson. Uh, Najee Harris, I think, is underrated at 11. I really do. He's got no competition whatsoever. That guy's going to be a stud. I'm just worried with his play style and that offensive line is bad. Like I, I know I keep saying this, but it's it's Bad. It is bad, but he has no competition. That, that that's what I'm saying. When, when I when I look at Najee Harris behind guys like Antonio Gibson, Antonio Gibson has so much competition, and he has health problems. But how much are they gonna? If, if you're Pittsburgh, like you can three point nine yards per carry, or you know, like in that in that four neighborhood, 
Is he going to get a lot of crucial touches, or is it going to be more passing game with their four wide receivers? This question is directed directly at you and not at Marcus because I know he saw it. Did you see Najee Harris's catch and run last week? Yes. He looks good. He does, and, uh, and, that, and that's the one thing that has me high on him. Um, I just I don't know. I don't know why I'm so like gun shy. I think I don't know if it's like this you know the, the saga of he's James Pittsburgh. of James Connor and what happened with that shit show. Um, just something about it. James Conner sucks. Yeah, he definitely does, but he, he like looked good for a little while. Yeah. So so, um, so here's why I'm high on Najee Harris from watching pre like the preseason, just him making that transition. And that play was fucking incredible. Like whatever. That catch and run was unreal. It, 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 it's, un, it's unreal. But the, some of the plays that I've saw that are game-changing things is I've seen it uh, twice already. He had one time he got hit in the backfield for minus one, turned it into a three-yard carry, and then he got hit in the backfield for minus one and turned it to a six-yard carry. Plays like that are what makes you from good or average to the elite, and plays like that will get you from second and goal at the three to touchdown. So um, I think the reasons for that are be high on him. He's going he's gonna to get the load. Mm. He's gonna, Here's the he's issue, gonna, too. Is I know where he's going in the draft. He's not even on my radar in my mock on my board because there's no way that I reach further than the two Yinzers in my drafts. Yeah, it, we do have a lot of Yinzers in our draft, so that that is of concern. But draft him where he should go, which I think is middle of the second round, possibly even early in the second round. And if you took him at the end of the first round, I wouldn't even fault you for it. Yeah. If if somehow he's there, I know. So second round coming back, I pick right before you guys. So. He's there. Sorry. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Um. I I love Najee this year. Uh. He and and what basically what we're talking about is is running back scarcity and it, and I think there's going to be a lot of uh timeshares and Najee Harris. I don't think has a timeshare. I think I think the guy's going to be worked. No, no, they're getting ready to cut Benny Snell, who they just drafted recently, and uh, the other guy uh, McFarland, who they just drafted more recently, can't play football. Um. Other than special teams, so. Uh, that, that guy's going to be getting 20, 30 touches a game. And then I just want to reemphasize, I think James James Robinson uh, with this injury to Etienne, uh, it's it's huge, folks. James Robinson was a top 10 guy last year. Why can't he be a top 10 running back again this year? He's yeah. being drafted at 18th. He has to be a first, like he has to be late first round. Like yeah. with Etienne gone, he, like honestly, anywhere in the first round, how do, how do you not do it? No way I'm taking J.K. Dobbins above uh, James Robinson. No, definitely nope. not. There's more. I mean, there's more competition in that in that running back room than uh, I'm Jacksonville. Not, I'm not taking Swift. <laughs> there's six of them. Um, I'm I'm even worried about guys like Mixon and I love I love Mixon's situation, but anyways, <laughs> we've talked a lot about running backs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's talk about the Teddy Bridgewater news because I th- I think it's huge. So Teddy Bridgewater was officially officially named the uh, starter for. The Broncos. Good for you, Broncos. You made the right call. You you looked at a guy like Teddy who's just, if you've ever heard Teddy in an interview, he's such, oh, man, I'm looking, watching Justin Fields right now. What a fucking, watching him on my replay. What, what, what a man boner I have for him. <sighs> Sorry to break from that, but I'm watching Justin Fields' highlights, and he looks amazing. Okay, uh, back to uh, <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater. The Broncos made the right choice in choosing Teddy Bridgewater over Drew Locke. Uh, Drew Locke's not going anywhere in this league. And Teddy Bridgewater, I think they actually have a good shot. The Carolina Panthers were super competitive last year. I think the Broncos are clearly a much better team than Carolina was last year. 
uh, I think this is huge. Um, it, it's actually kind of maybe not like the skill sets on as far as offensive goes, um, but uh, remember it, with, with New Orleans, he came in and played with New Orleans undefeated because he he doesn't well, turn know. he doesn't turn the ball over, play good defense. Um, guess what Denver's going to do? Play good defense, have him not turn the ball over, get some of these young playmakers, and you know, off the topic, Jerry Judy. Wow, fucking love that guy. But yeah, it's the right it's the right decision. Um, if if Locke turns the ball over, he you know he likes to sling it, but uh, Teddy's going to make the right smart decisions, and and it, obviously it's a huge fantasy impact as far as the different players on that offense. But um, yeah, good for them. They, they said from the start it's going to be a quarterback competition, and and obviously it was a quarterback competition because what showed in the preseason on tape it translated into the uh, the, the decision. Yeah. And nobody's rooting for Drew Locke. I don't know a single person that's rooting for Drew Locke. Teddy Bridgewater is this guy who comes back from this horrific injury. Nice guy. Bought a fucking Escalade for his mom, a pink Escalade to commemorate his mom surviving breast cancer the, a couple days after he was drafted. Like, Teddy Bridgewater is the real deal in terms of, like, guys you want to root for. Drew Locke's this fucking, oh, God. Fucking Chad. Oh, my God. He reminds me of the overconfident. Were you guys in fraternities? Yes. Yes. Well, he reminds me of the overconfident pledge that came in, and he thought he knew more than all the guys that had been there for years, and he just kind of gets embarrassed because of his overconfidence. Nobody's rooting for Drew Locke. The talent's there, but the fucking the head. The, the guy's just an idiot. Yeah. And his face just bothers me. <laughs> Something about his fucking face. I like him. It's one of the top eight punchable faces in the the active NFL. It's a punchable face. <laughs> I take Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph's my number one all time. But Miles Garrett's too. Uh, <laughs> no, ah. no it, it's Miles Garrett's number one punchable face. Oh yes, if I'm Miles <laughs> Garrett, yes, number one on my on my punchable face is Mason Rudolph. But yeah, I think I think this is huge for the Broncos. I think it changes the complexion of their team. From a fantasy perspective, I think it hurts some players. I don't think it hurts their wide receiving core at all. Uh, Bridgewater has all, also always been capable of, of throwing to his wideouts, especially his slot receiver. Uh, but I really think this hurts Noah Fant a lot. I, I think Noah Fant's a guy is also a very un, like un, under like hasn't been overwhelming. I think he had one play as a rookie, which was like a ninety-yard touchdown, which is you're expecting big explosive plays from him like almost every other week and he's just been underwhelming i think i mean tight ends usually take a little while to develop um playing tight end at the nfl level compared to college is night and day i mean at the at the, at the college level you like you lean on a guy a little bit then you go run a pass route like you're you're an oversized wide receiver for most teams or you just block you don't know, do a lot of both like in the nfl you really have to do both and usually guys spend a lot of time worrying about you know their weaker side of, of that coin um, so it takes a little while to get going. I mean, Hawkinson hasn't looked that great. Like, there's a lot of tight ends in that same range who just haven't looked that great. Same um, range, same team. They've played on the same team in Iowa. What what, what an insane uh, tight end duo they had there. Yeah. I actually love Noah Fant from a talent, talent perspective, but let's face it, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, historically, has never thrown a tight end. And, guys, this is one of these things. That there's a lot of things, I think, that are overplayed. Whether or not a quarterback throws a tight end is – extremely important i'm telling you there, there are just quarterbacks that throw to tight ends more often than other qu- quarterbacks and you have to take note of that and teddy bridgewater he doesn't throw to tight ends so i think you got to fade Noah fan a little bit for sure yeah pass the talent agree yep 
I mean, I've seen him. You know, he's he, he's one of these guys that after after Hawkinson's gone, you look at that tight end board and you're like, man. You go Pitts, of course. Pitts has to be your ne- your next guy off the board after Hawkinson, but um, it's it's, all, it's almost like if, you, if there's like four or five tight ends like in different different rounds, but after that, you're like, well, they can just be my my flex. Like I'll just pick someone stupid at some point. And, and, and just because uh, I, I know Derek, you, there's been times like we've talked about like um, quarterbacks. You just exchange them doing week in and week in and week out t- the tight end spot after like five I, or I six. Place al- I place spot. almost no value in tight ends and quarterbacks. Yeah. Because to me, they're, they're very similar. Like if you're not going to get like the one or two top tier guys, then everybody else is just a guy. They're, yeah. they're really interchangeable. Um, so don't reach and give up value somewhere else. I mean, I, I think wide receiver is the most important position. Also the deepest position, but most important position but like tight end, like if you don't get the top two guys, like who the fuck cares? Yeah. Well, in this case, I think it's three: Kelsey Wall, Kel- yeah. or Kelsey Waller, and Kittle, and then everybody else. But, I mean, but there's at- a, I think there's a tier there too. I think it's it's, it's Kittle and, and Kelsey, and then a small step, and then Waller, and then a fucking chasm, and mm-hmm. then everybody else. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I love Mark Andrews until all this stuff happened. I mean, he he's feigning in practice. He's a type one diabetic concerning stuff happening with with Mark Andrews. I mean, obviously he was one of the biggest disappointments of the entire draft last year. Um and I do think he's still probably firmly at number 4 at tight end, but the guy the guy is not looked good from what I've seen. Who out of curiosity, I don't have it in front of me. Who's tight end 13? 13 is uh Irv Smith. Do you think the gap between Irv Smith and Andrews is so massive that you need to take one six rounds earlier. I do between Andrews and and Irv Smith, but now when I when I when I go down a little bit further though, between Fant and Irv Smith, no way. Right. So I think the drop off is right after Hawkinson at six. Okay. So I, I I think you get one of those six guys, and I think you're happy with all six of those guys. I'm talking about Kelsey Waller, Kittle, Andrews, Pitts, and Hawkinson. I think all six of those guys will be productive this year. Um, a lot of guys are gonna be reaching on pits. I'm not. See, uh, well, my favorite thing about that is my uh, my two favorite tight ends of this draft. Neither are on that list. Bum bum bum. Oh, I, I like pits because I'm still justifying, and I don't know why, but I'm like this whole line of reasoning is is based on the assumption that Atlanta belongs in the NFL. <laughs> and let's say let's make the assumption Atlanta belongs in the NFL. To draft him where they drafted him, they have to evaluate him as a wide receiver. Right. They have to say that he's a flex wide receiver. He's going to block a little bit. He's going to be online a little bit, but he's primarily a wide receiver because otherwise, like, you don't draft him that early. So if he's a wide receiver, not only is he probably going to be a productive wide receiver, but he's also a wide receiver that you get to put next to that little spot that says T, (laughs) which is, like, immensely valuable as you build your roster out. Oh yeah, I mean obviously the 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 athleticism there. The, the guy's gonna be catching a lot of passes, but mainly because that defense. I mean, we get bad. back to we get back to you know I don't care who X is at what wide yeah. receiver two in Atlanta is gonna fucking eat. So it was really last year and, and now if it's Pitts, like so so for me when you when you're looking at that like maybe it's almost like replacing Julio like but inadvertently replacing him. Yeah, but you know I hate to show maybe he throws a block or two. <laughs> <laughs> hate to show some of my cards, but guys like Russell Gage are the ones that I like the most when it comes to um, value with um, Atlanta. There's some deep sleep guys, and like Drew was talking about, the like quarterbacks who like to throw to the tight end, um, where you can match that up and say, okay, security blanket, shit hits the fan, this guy's going to get the ball. Yeah. Um, even 
what's his face and uh, Jarwin. I'm like, I, I hate literally everything about him as a player. And he's gonna have eight touchdowns. But he's gonna <laughs> kill it because Dak throws the tight end, and what's his face throws the tight end. Uh, Danucci. Like those are both guys that like like the third of the tight end. Like that tight end position is gonna be productive no matter who's playing quarterback for that yeah. team. And 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 you know because Dak learned that from Tony Romo throwing over the he threw to Witten you know yep. learned it under there you find that safety blanket and that's where you're comfortable at. Well, we're gonna talk about Danucci later, but Danucci's not gonna be on this roster, guys. He's, if you didn't see that last preseason game, through three picks. I see the thing about I, I try to you just don't know what they think about that, and if, it, if they look at it and they're like you know I know two of them were off wide receivers' hands, you don't know how they're gonna grade that out. Um, we'll see. That's uh, he's, 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 he's already super on. He are also he already has a super unconventional throwing motion. I don't think Ducci's Danucci's going to be on this roster. And we're going to talk about that in a second with hard knocks. But yeah, I think with this tight end group, you got Travis Kelsey, Waller and killer Kittle. And after that, you wait it out. Yep. You waited the fuck out. You see how late you can get Andrews. You see how late you can get Pitts. Someone's going to reach for Pitts. Don't e- don't even factor Pitts into your draft strategy. There- there's some douchebag in your draft that likes Pitts way more than you. I might be that douche. I'll be completely honest. Because again, if I can get a wide receiver two and a good offense, that I can also pick up the value of playing him as a tight end. I, I, th- I think Pitts in the second round is going to be Kevin's forte this year. When, where where are you willing to draft Pitts in a twelve team? Draft though twelve team draft. I'm willing to take him in the third round. Yo, you beat me. I promise you that. That's wild. That's too much. I remember that year. Was it? Was it Michael? Who's it? No, it was, was it Colston? Martin's that was Colston. Yeah, yeah. That, that was a tight end. No, yep. he was a receiver. No, Colston. Colston he had came tight into the league as a tight end. Yes, yep. he had tight end eligibility. Yep. And I like I, that, I won my fantasy league. That wins that. league. Yeah, yep. that, that shit wins leagues. I did win my my fantasy league that year, but uh, yeah. I could see that. Or like the random wide receiver that gets running back eligibility and then pops off as a wide receiver. Like, sign me the Wh- fuck up. Which, out. by the way, I'm really <laughs> upset that Corderell Patterson lost that tag this year. Which is ridiculous <laughs> because he pl- he's played more running back than wide receiver lately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Pros, he plays as a wide receiver and, you know, he's, he's potentially a wide receiver talent at tight end. Cons, he plays for the Falcons. <laughs> They're going to be behind a lot. They will. Be throwing it a lot. Yeah. Uh, I love Hawkinson this year, though. I just got to say that. Um, Very much the identity of what they're trying to build there is to throw the football at the tight end. Like, if you're trying to build, like, a tough nose, physical, grind it out, like, that includes throwing the ball at the tight end. Yeah, for me, that's the fifth round, I think, would be my, my, my gauge on him, fifth round. On Pitts or Hawkinson? Pitts, Pitts. Pitts yeah. And Hawkinson. <laughs> well, I mean, I pick at the end of the third, so... So Carson, Carson Wentz and uh, Nelson both return to plaque practice for the Colts uh, look like they will definitely be ready for uh, week one of the NFL season. Like Jonathan Taylor boner. So yeah. you Nelson back in uniform, dude, if, if Nelson's back in there, you got it. You got to listen. My, all my, all my, I don't doubt Nelson or uh, Taylor as a player. I just want to make that clear. I just doubt his situation right now, but Wentz and Nelson returning to practice, that's huge. Uh, I've been big on the Colts. I'm still Huge on the Colts, uh, just in terms of them being just a disruptor. Uh, I think they could narrowly miss the playoffs, um, but I, I think they're going to be really good from a fantasy perspective. Uh, and and Carson Wentz, say what you want about the guy, he returns back to his bread and butter, Frank Wright. Uh, I I think he could be another weird guy that you pull off towards the end of the draft that could potentially pay you dividends on random weeks. 
the, those guys scare me though, just because like you look at what are the random weeks and trying to predict that, and it's like, oh yeah, the, the, you know, Houston's terrible. It's like awesome, but what happens if they if if Houston fumbles a kickoff and they score on that, and then they throw a pick six, and now they're up fourteen, and they throw one touchdown, now they're up twenty one, and they just run the ball the rest of the game. Like, those games I feel like always fucking punch me in the face. Oh yeah, it's like this is a terrible team. It's like yeah, but they jumped out to a three score lead and then coasted. I need, I need my boy slinging the rock. I'll t- I, I almost like quarterbacks on bad teams exclusively. Yeah, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be tight. I think I think he's still gonna be in the uh, the MV, he's gonna be a top five MV, MVP candidate. Um, and we're talking about just over two touchdowns a game, but I think the defense is too good and the running game is too good to really allow him to be up there. But you know, with that with him, if he's healthy, man, the, the Colts are gonna win the South. That's still that's still my take for them. Um, they're going to be very good, but I'm, I'm, I can't. Yeah, the Colts win in the South. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, that, I think the Colts. We Col- should we had you on that pod. Yeah, the, the, the Colts are going to win probably 11, 12 games. There's there's a uh, there's a multiverse thread where Derrick Henry, they've run the fucking tires off that guy. Yeah. Like, he, he's one of those running backs where it's like, I don't know what happened to him. Well, you ran him a little too long, like a little too hard. Like, I mean, those guys have a shelf life. I mean, Look at it's weird to make a comparison because the peak was never as high. But a guy like Brandon Jacobs, that guy was mauling people, and you're like, oh, he's gonna do this forever, and then he just fell off the face of the earth. Trent Richardson, Trent Richardson, yeah. <laughs> I love that meme. It's like Trent Richardson's career in a picture, and he's like fighting as hard as he can to cut back and like to the right. Like I could have scored. <laughs> well, as a Derrick Henry keeper owner, I can officially say, go fuck yourself. <laughs> go fuck yourself. I mean, it's you know, just one of those multiverses out there. It's not necessarily, it's not necessarily ours. But I had a, I had an agenda about talking about Carson Wentz because out of all the positions we've talked about, there is no position deeper than quarterback, folks. There are some guys that... Is it is it deep or is it... Just everybody's the same after a point. Is that's deep? Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's the definition of deep. Yeah, I mean, at, right after you get past Justin Herbert on this draft board, Justin Herbert's currently ranked at eight. Aaron Rodgers right ahead of him. Then Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott. These these are the guys you know you you definitely want to have. We get to Ryan, Ryan Tannehill. I'm sorry, I I don't care about the upgrades the Titans have made. I I don't. <laughs> Ryan Tann- Tannehill is still Ryan Tannehill. He's very dependent on the system, very dependent on the play action. He's Kirk Cousins masquerading as a better quarterback than he is, I think. After you get past that Herbert drop-off, there are so many guys on this list that I love. Uh, just way down the list. Look, ben Roethlisberger at 20. It's it's interesting to me. He threw for thirty four touchdowns last year. Yeah, had man. one of the best seasons statistically of his career. Yeah, it was a great season. I think what, 43, 4,400 yards. Yeah, it's a great fantasy number. So, just out of curiosity, who is at twenty five? Twenty five is Sam Darnold. So Sam Darnold, who looks good, appears to be in a system that that probably complements what he does well. Um, has a really reliable safety valve to get the ball out to McCaffrey. In a twelve-team format, it's probably not getting drafted. Yep. There's there's a lot of depth in the back end of that. Yeah, yeah, and and a lot of guys, you know, for a while, you'd always see guys like uh, like Tony Romo and Eli Manning not get drafted or like drafted high, but they're still producing at twenty twenty-five points at your quarterback position. But yeah, yeah, this is, I mean, this is where we, you know, Sam Darnold's not going to score you forty points ever, but what's the opportunity 
lost on where you take your quarterback it, versus the 20, you know, the, what's the gap? We're talking, you know, maybe eight points on a week-to-week basis. I guarantee you can find a better wide receiver than a guy who's literally going undrafted. Yeah, I'll, I'll be happy to stream um, Sam Darnold and get 22 points on a stream day. For sure. I'm, I'm just going to name a few names. Uh, Justin Fields is currently ranked the 21st. Let's just stop uh, talking about him because just we'll keep it here. You know, that way ben, that we have three people. It's only a quarter of the league that's in this room. We'll just right. talk about him. We'll, we'll, we'll split him amongst ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because God, do I want him? Mm. Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> at twenty. Uh, you got guys like uh, like Trevor Lawrence at fifteen. It's way too early. Way too early. I, I, I please someone take him. He's yeah, gonna, he's going to turn the ball over a lot. Someone, someone like Kevin's going to take him in our league. There's always a Kevin in every every league, and uh, there's there's a guy that's just going to understand the name of Trevor Lawrence. Going to take him way too early. Then you drop further. And I'm starting to come around to names like Trey Lance. I really am. Like, as 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 not good as I think Trey Lance is going to be, he has he's going to be a really good rushing threat who plays for a really good offensive mind. Trey Lance intrigues me. And I, I, I said it in our group chat. I'll say it again. Trey Lance is going to be must-see TV this year. He is a good gunslinger that that that's my impressions of of Trey Lance in this preseason he's a guy who puts it all out and as opposed to Garoppolo who doesn't put anything on the table he's just like this really conservative playing guy I think Trey Lance is going to take over this offense probably by like week six and I think from then on I mean he could be a guy that scores you 22 24 points a game just because of his rushing ability yeah stealing some of my thunder here mm-hmm yeah, well, uh, so this will come back up in a later segment. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been, I've been, I'm just gonna say I've, I've been very impressed with Trey Lance so far this season. Oh, but so we've we, we we've talked about positions. Running back, very very thin. Go get your go get your bell cow. Quarterback, you can wait. Tight end, if you don't get the top guys, you can wait. Let's talk about wide receiver. Um, this is a another position that I think is really, really, really fucking deep. And I, I, I think once you get past, I'd say I'm going to go, let's, let's say right after Deontay Johnson at 20, I think it then turns into a lottery. Um, because I, I think Deontay Johnson is going to be really good this year, personally. But Right after Deontay Johnson, it t- I think it truly turns into a lottery. And uh, what do you guys think about wide receiver depth this year? And, and what, what what have your wide receiver strategies been this season? I, I like to get a good top two guys. And after that, like I'm down to just pull lotto tickets, like you said, because that's the one position. When you're not putting two or three running backs on the field at a time. You're not putting two quarterbacks on the field at a time. Some teams run multiple tight end sets. Some, most don't there's going to be three or four wide receivers on the field at a time. So if you have a guy who has talent, then maybe it's his week. You know, it, it could be any guy's week. It, there, there's guys, that's the one position. If you go and look, when you go to do your research on, you know, making waiver claims or, or free agent claims and try and pick somebody up and you start sorting by like points, there's always a 14 point producer that is on no roster at the wide, wide receiver position every single week. There's some big names that are like so deep, like so fucking far down. I honestly don't give a shit about wide receiver. There's a damn good chance I'm going RB, RB, RB for my top three picks in pretty much most or every draft that I'm doing um, because they are so interchangeable. 
Yeah, and while we're on wide the wide receiver chat, I, I agree with you, man. There, there's some guys you can wait on. There's some guys that they've been faded as time has gone on, like Will Fuller. Fade the fuck out of Will Fuller. Um, I, I agree with you on that. Uh, there's, there's guys towards the end of this, I'm just like, oh, man, these guys look good. Let's talk about Jamar Chase, though. Jamar Chase has been a huge name unofficially. If you Google Jamar Chase right now, it's going to say Jamar Chase looks better in practice because the ultimate news for Jamar Chase hasn't even really become a story, but there is a rumor out there that Jamar Chase potentially has some domestic abuse issues that he's going to be looking into. So with all the fucking issues that the Bengals are, are dealing with right now, Jamar Chase might have some dis- disciplinary action coming in. He has fallen so far on draft boards. Uh, currently, he's at 26. Um, he's he, he's right behind guys like Beckham, Ayuk, Higgins, all three guys I never put Jamar Chase ahead of on my draft board. But fin- I, I think he's finally like adjusting back to where to where he should be, but shit, what do you guys have, have? You guys read about this news? I mean, it's it's a, it's a disturbing rumor. Yeah. So so not to speculate because obviously as a Steelers fan, <clears throat> I don't want to say I'm rooting for it because it's fucked up, but I like seeing bad things happen to the division opponents. But um, it, it it'd be terrible. Like how how do you even how can you possibly even draft him with with that looming? Uh, <laughs> it's not a good look. And, and the thing is, I mean, obviously. If the if the accusations are, are true, he it's like you know how much is an, he's he's they took him early whatever the NFL has plenty of flaws when it comes to these kind of things they're not going to take a hard line stance he'll play uh, at some point obviously again but he's looked bad on the field in in conjunction with that so then you take you know more distractions if he misses time which you should miss time if it's true then it's going to put him even further behind I just I, I don't know. We're, we're, somebody's going to draft him around his ADP, and I just it, I want no part of it. To me, I've always hated the Jamar Chase draft choice for the Bengals. It was a uh, it was a wrong choice. It is. You can either get Penny Sewell at that at that at that spot. I don't care. Bengals fans say we already had our Boulder <laughs> tackles. No, you don't. No. no, you don't. You don't have Penny Sewell. And even if you want the position versatility, I've said this a million times. Slater can play all five positions. You take Slater. Like there's not running. The, Taking anything besides a lineman was the wrong choice there. Period. Dude, you can't tell me that Pene Sewell couldn't be converted to a guard. He he's that good. Like he he he's that like he, you, he you, you can guard. play you can play this guy anywhere on the line. I'm telling you. Yeah. Except for except for uh, center. Yeah. But you play this guy anywhere on the line, and you 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 bring him in as a uh, you know just as, as as almost a statement as your first round pick to say hey we're we're gonna we're gonna pick Joe Burrow or. At that pick, where apparently teams were calling the Bengals trying to trade up because there were a lot of teams interested in Justin Fields at this time, um, you trade back and you get a first rounder next year because the Bengals aren't going to be anything this year. You're not you're not going to be anything. But the Bengals, you know, their 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 uh, philosophy has always been that they don't do things like that because they're fucking idiots. You trade back, you probably get a guy like Darisaw. You know what I'm saying? I, was, I, I literally was going to bring that up. Like, yeah. it, you know, you can trade back, and, and Dereshaw went 23. Dude, get 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 Dereshaw, like, like yeah, 23. You, you could have probably gotten him, you know, like trade back to like 19 or any of these teams that are looking for a quarterback. Two first-rounders. 
get a get a first round next year. The Bengals have so much rebuilding to do. They're going to regret that decision for so long. It's just it's just so Bengals. They're yes. the they're the ones that came out and said they're philosophically against trading, right? No, the one they're, they're philosophically against trading uh, their players oh, okay. on their team. Got it. But they also don't make draft trades. What is their idiots? Terrible organization. They're they're so bad. Yeah, but um, they but might as, be the worst as far as on the field play goes. Like on the field stuff with with Jamar. Remember, I I never liked the guy. Like I get he's fast, he's big, he had a great year at LSU, but I don't I don't like the that size drafting a like a receiver that high. Like I don't I don't generally like drafting receivers that high. Which uh, I never liked that pick, but watching fluff like buck up and suck on the field, man, it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch. He's really good. Don't listen. I, I'm not. I'm not doubting that Jamar Chase is really good. He's really good. Trust me. When Jamar Jamar Chase is a wide receiver, wide receivers often have bad rookie years. I I, I I just don't like him. I think Jamar Chase can be a great player in this league, pending this shitty situation. But knowing the NFL, they'll probably overlook it. But uh, four, pending, to six, four to six games. Pending this terrible situation that he's in, no, it'll be two tops in the NFL. Yeah. So he, he could be out two weeks. I think Jamar Chase is going to be a great player in this league. Don't get me wrong. But I do think if the Bengals had any inkling of this news and they still draft him, they're fucking idiots. Trade back. There's so many teams in this top the top ten that should have traded back that didn't, and it's it's insane. Um, and I see him popping up on the TV right now, but uh, Trotman – Going out for uh, for the Saints. Apparently, it's not that bad of an injury. But w- what did you guys think about Trotman prior to that? Um, it, it's one of the situations again where I think that there is whoever plays that position is going to do serviceable. I, I don't think you know seeing that injury. Do, you, do they go out and acquire somebody? There seems to be some people, maybe some targets out there. Do they go fill that gap, or do they just ride with what they have because there's not much there? Possibly. Look at that depth chart. It's bare. Right. How bare, Derek? How bare? Oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the Jamar Chase saga, it's, it's going to play out over the next couple of weeks, and uh, we'll see. I mean, I, I, think, I think the Bengals are a beautiful disaster waiting to happen because – uh, Joe Burrow slated to play the last preseason game, so he's apparently ready to go in terms of health wise. But uh, this organization is still a disaster to me. Yeah, yeah, and, and they're going to be for quite some time. And there's, I agree. there's no, I mean, I just, I just don't see the Steelers being bad for a long period of time. I don't the the the, bank, the Ravens minus their weird personnel and and the kind of the the play style it's forced them into. You know, wide receiver they struggle. Besides that, that's one of the better run organizations in the league. Um, and then the Browns, you know, despite themselves, have put together one of the best rosters in the league. Just, there's just no room for the Bengals to be relevant. All right, guys. So we are gonna we're gonna go. This is a brand new segment for us. This is hills that we're dying on. So this is basically like thoughts that you have, <laughs> even if they're just faint thoughts or just random things that you're thinking about that you don't think anybody else is thinking about basically hot takes that you 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 think you you like but you're also like in your in the back of your head you're like oh man this is gonna fuck me so hills that i'm dying on uh who wants to start well i've got a lot of hills but i think i'll go with my my favorite one and that is justin fields will be head and shoulders above trevor lawrence 
pretty much this year for sure, if you know, pending him playing. But by the time it's all said and done, Trevor Lawrence won't even compare to um, Justin Fields on the field. I'm starting to like that hill more and more every day. The one thing I like about that hill is is you like the NFL is all about how you handle adversity. And I don't know much about his like young childhood, but as far as I've known who Trevor Lawrence was, I don't think a bad things happened to that guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> like he's, he's won almost exclusively like every level he's ever been at. He's not have not had to deal with coming back and, you know, watching film after getting the, your doors fucking blown off by the Titans or somebody. Um, he's not, you know, not spent a lot of time on the ground. So what's, what's it going to be like, you know, now in the NFL where he's, everybody's got the same amount of talent he has. He's not going to just out talent everybody. And Fields has been through some shit. He's he's you know he's shown some maturity. He's shown some some poise. I, I like Fields a lot, a lot. I think we all do, which is good because he he doesn't get he's still not getting quite the praise that Trevor Lawrence has, which sucks because I, I, like I said I've I've had a man crush on Justin Fields ever since QB one man. No, to be fair to you, you you've you've you actually predicted Fields to be the number one quarterback. You you were pretty strong on that. We all doubted it. Um, I still think you're wrong. I think Trevor Lawrence can be a great pro, and that, but and that's why that's the hill I'm going to die it on. It is, <laughs> Derek. So uh, I, I also have a rookie quarterback related hill to die on here. Um, I don't know when he's going to play, so I don't want to make a, an overall value standpoint. But when he does play, I think Trey Lance will be a per game top ten fantasy producer at the quarterback position. Um, the dude, just, he has talent, and and I and I, I know I've been probably the least negative about him as far as his outlook and when he. I see a path that leads him to being, you know, Josh Allen. Like I, I see that for him. Um, granted, I, you know, the window is very small. I'm not as big on him as I have been on like Josh Allen or Justin Herbert or some of these other guys where I've I've kind of went against the grain and said I, these are guys I like. Um, but big rocket arm like that's i'm a sucker for that shit like i still think drew Locke has the <laughs> physical ch- talent to be good in this league uh big strong arm like sign me up all day and, and i think that that offense is dynamic enough with what they have available to them from a from a sta- from a player standpoint personnel standpoint i think he's gonna be, he's gonna be a top 10 quarterback whenever he takes over what, what derek you do still have that uh jamarcus russell jersey sitting up in your uh, i was closet. never so that's the, that's the one guy where i was like i never got on that train but i mean i was like if we did this segment last year my justin herbert take would would make you guys a little you would have you would have thought i was crazy because i was i'm i yeah but i feel the same way about lance and it's weird Hills that I'm dying this, on this season, uh, James Robinson with the injury of Etienne, uh, I think is going to be a dominant running back. Uh, I see him at a fucking 19 on PPR rankings currently, and it's so fucking low. There's guys ahead of him that, that I'm absolutely not taking ahead of him. Uh, I think he's a top eight running back this year. Are the Jaguars going to be disaster? Yes. James Robinson is one of the only things that this team has going for them. Uh, they're going to be doing a lot of dump passes. If you watch James, Rob- James Robinson last year, the team was so much worse last year. It's definitely better from, from a skill-wise this year. They bring in some new talent. They bring in a Trevor Lawrence, who we know he loves to throw to the running back. He's going to be dumping it to the running back often because that – Offensive line is so fucking bad. He's going to be dumping it frequently 
to James Robinson. I'm telling you, James Robinson is going to have 65 receptions this year at least. Uh, he is going to have 1,200 yards rushing this this year at least. He will be a top eight running back this year after the Etienne injury. And I loved Etienne. I loved him. I think he was a great player. I think he would have been a great player this year. But with him out of the picture, they, he has nobody else to compete with. Yeah. This guy is competing for carries with nobody. James Robinson is being overlooked in a big way. I don't think he's a upside running back two. I think he's a running back one who's well, being drafted like running back two. I dig it. I, I dig it. I feel like the hill we die on takes hard here because I think that out of like everybody, we're probably the most aligned on some of our opinions when it comes to the guys. Sure. Like I, I, I love everything Robinson this year. I think it's, he's in a great spot. And I mean, he had like 1100 all purpose yards last year. I think it was 1100 and without, I th- he didn't start until late. I think but yeah. I, I do. I, I love the Trey Lance pick. I think Trey Lance, he's going to be a beautiful disaster this year. I think you'll have 24 passing touchdowns when it's all said and done and like 16 interceptions. I think it's going to be a disaster, like a beautiful disaster year. He's going to, he's, he is a gunslinger uh, from what I've seen in preseason. Maybe I'm, I'm overplaying what I've seen out of him in preseason, but the guy's a good talent. Uh, I've, I've, I've faded him. The entire time, I'm starting to come around to Trey Lance. I really, truly believe this guy's going to have probably 600 yards rushing, and he's going to be a really good fantasy player. See, and it, it makes you kind of think, like, when you talk about, like, great defenses, like um, every defense that has ever played behind Alex Smith or, like, the Baltimore Ravens <laughs> from 2000 um, or the Bucks. you're like, all you need is a quarterback who can manage the game, not turn it over, and you're going to win. Maybe a gunslinger is what those defenses need. Someone who's going to make some big plays and let your defense force more turnovers. Bail be, you out because when they fuck, when they you fuck up throwing the ball, like they, they'll bail you out. It's like it's almost like the exact opposite. Yeah, like the I like that. that. You can take a little more chances because you, your D might bail you out. Yeah, you can put them on a short field because they're going to hold them to a field goal. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean I I love that and I like I I mean I still think taking Trey Lance where they took him is insane. They could have had him at fifteen without a doubt. I will never ever ever change my position on that. But as far as a talent standpoint, you know we have some people who are like, oh, he's not even a first round talent. Like, you're an idiot. Like you don't you don't draft a finished product outside of like the top five picks. Yeah. The five, top five picks, you know, what you're getting usually. Um, I don't think he belonged there because he's not a finished product. But you talk about you know talent upside, skill set ceiling. I mean, he has as high of a ceiling as anybody in this draft. Um, He's kind of like the inverse of Mac Jones. Like we, his ceiling's low, but you know he's he's probably the most finished product, most polished and ready to go day one. Uh, just a terrible ceiling. Yeah. So one thing that we saw this week, and it's pretty interesting. It's one of the most glaring issues about contact tracing, which is uh, Cole Beasley uh, being being put out on you know he has, he has to sit out for a couple weeks because he was around a player who was vaccinated um who he tested positive and Cole Beasley was around him had he been vaccinated it wouldn't even be a question he'd be right back with the team uh pending a, a, a negative test uh Cole Beasley is already out due to due to contact tracing, and I think this is one of the biggest red flags with him and him and Kirk Cousins just being around but not not actually getting COVID. Um, 
you're going to see this all year, folks. So you have to understand who is vaccinated and who isn't because the NFL, we're not going to talk about the morality of it or whatever. The NFL, for whatever reason, if, if you're not vaccinated, you play by different rules this season. Cole oh, Beasley, yeah. Oh, yeah. he's going to sit out a couple weeks. They had a little exchange with Diggs the other day where Diggs was like, hey, like, uh, um, you, uh, they're gonna come. They're gonna come to your house or whatever. And 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 Cole Beasley like responded like, Ah, I live in Texas. Nobody's come come to my house. We we play by different rules yeah. here. Like basically, like I'll shoot you if you come to my property. Yeah. Property, pretty weird. Um, but Cole Beasley, I think is 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 leading the pack. He's been the champion of of being you know the guys that's not getting vaccinated. Uh, this contact tracing is a real thing. And if you don't think it is, uh, wait until week two of your fantasy season until a guy is missing two weeks because he's not even vaccinated, but because of contact tracing, he's going to miss a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. For, for me, it doesn't really come down to like how things happen. If if you're not following like the guidelines and standards, you, they will make an example out of you. We, we've seen it through every part of our history, like right or wrong. Um, so in cases like this, you know, I think the, um, one thing I was reading was it was contact tracing with a trainer that he wore a mask um, or mask around, but he's not vaccinated, so now he's got to sit out. But no matter what, they will make an example out of him. Like, there's, there's just, just too they fuck away from him. It's just too big of a product. It's just too much to lose. Like they can't. The NFL, the NFL can't take the risk or, or do anything that increases the odds of them needing to play games without fans again, because we're talking billions of dollars. Yeah. So, so they don't, they don't, the NFL does not give a fuck about five players. And so, so, and when I was coming, when I was, what I was meant to touch on when I was talking about making an example out of them, shut the fuck up. Like if you, like if, if you have your beliefs, like don't make it on fucking Twitter and all that, and because now, are, now you're the example. Like and these yep. are guys, how many times have you heard, you know, football players say, Oh, I'll, I'll do anything to win. Do the fucking bare minimum. Like this is the easiest thing to do yeah. in the world. It's fucking FDA approved now. Just fucking do it. Like you're hurting your team, and it's to the point where, like, from a fantasy standpoint, I'm weary of taking a guy in any offense that has a key player who is not vaccinated because you just don't like cross with the contact tracing. I mean, if DeAndre Hopkins goes down, that affects everybody, not necessarily positively. If Lamar goes down, that offense is unplayable. So bad. You can't you can't start anybody it's, in that offense, especially because uh, McSorley is he's banged up he's so banged up the ravens are in a bad spot they really are um yeah this contact tracing is going to be a thing don't believe it won't be how many uh how many weeks are we gonna see kellen mon start this week this year a lot honestly straight up yeah i think we're gonna see kellen mon play a few games for vikings for sure and that's a few l's yes for a couple l's for sure (laughs) he's terrible so bad but at least the successor is gonna have some talent over at uh, Texas A and M. Well, it's funny because well we brought we brought in Browning the Vikings uh, to <laughs> he's vaccinated so he, <laughs> he he's the one guy that we can be like all right and Browning was a, he was a good talent in college he really was uh, he's he's an interesting talent he's looked so bad in preseason so is Kelman uh, yeah contact tracing is gonna be huge this year in the NFL. Uh, you got to fade guys that haven't gotten vaccinated. So, so whether or not you, whether or not you, you're, you believe in the vaccine doesn't fucking matter. Just believe in the rule. You got you got to be quick on the draw in Vegas this year too. 
Like as soon as you hear something, go get your bed in because yeah. Vegas will pull those lines so, down. So, so <laughs> cons- conspiracy theories, however you want to say it. So let's just say that you are the Green Bay Packers and you are playing against the Vikings in the NFC Championship. Do you not find someone? You do you not try to get COVID near Kirk Cousins? You have to, right? I know it's like dirty and kind of shitty to say, but like it's like fans pulling the alarm in the hotel, like straight up, like like it. <laughs> when, right. when, when it when Sorry, it, Kirk. Well, Self-reporting it to the NFL. Sorry, I shared an I shared, I shared an elevator with Kirk Cousins. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> like straight up. Like can can that? Do you guys see that happening this year? Like for like but unvaccinated players. These guys are in such a bubble. Like like, like yeah. Well, not in the. Not necessarily. You, you can slide something in there, be like, "Hey, this guy has COVID." For, I think like, random outside people, but the, the, here's the thing: is like, there's enough people who are going to come into contact with people who are positive, just because. Look at the fucking numbers in the country. Just to, do you think that people like teams will be trying to plant COVID positive um, moles like on other teams when it comes playoffs time? Because who knows. <laughs> It I could would. happen. I, I would. Oh, your cousin's got uh, COVID. Does he want to make $100,000? All right, cool. Here's what he has to do. Here, a flight's booked. <laughs> or here, Here's the taxi to uh, you know, Uber or whatever. I can't believe as a Steelers fan you're suggesting something like that. You guys are supposed to have integrity and hate cheating. Oh, we only hate it. But, uh, <laughs> but hey, if you're, not, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. That's the best. Yeah. Funny enough, the Falcons are the only 100% vaccinated team, and I couldn't fade them more. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck the Falcons. They're so bad. They're so bad. (laughs) Yeah, the the contact tracing is going to be a real thing this year. So just honestly, you've got to keep it on, at least on your radar, who is vaccinated and who's not, because it's going to be a factor this year. Whether or not you believe, I, I don't give a fuck about your beliefs in the vaccine. Um it's going to be a thing this year. Yeah, you have, to, you have to have that annotation, like almost like on your your fantasy draft board, have, like fig, figure out a way to annotate it because it plays into people's value. Cole Beasley's not on my board at all because I mean, he, of that. He never was, but oh yes, yes he was. I, I honestly, I, I was expecting a damn good year out of him. I actually but. would have loved Cole Beasley without all these, you know, without without everything that's happened. But yes, you're right. The NFL is going to make an example of him. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah, if if he stays off Twitter, it's a, if any like if, just don't make it public. Keep just keep yeah. it to yourself. Keep he, your opinions to yourself. He just had the best season of his career. Yeah. I mean, 965 yards or whatever whatever the fuck it was. Uh he, you know, Cole Beasley had a really good year and he's in a really good offense. Uh you can't help but like the guy if it wasn't for these issues. He should uh, learn from DeAndre Hopkins and just tweet stuff and then delete it two minutes later. Yep. <laughs> He's got like 19 tweets he's deleted within the five minutes of sending them. DeAndre Hopkins is being faded massively on my board. Yeah. you got you Seriously, though, you have to look out for guys that aren't vaccinated. I don't give a fuck what your opinions are on vaccines. These guys are going to experience issues during this year. There's no doubt about it. Yep. Not fun owning a guy with four bye weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Hard Knocks. Um, hard Knocks, the, the third episode happened uh, the, this past week, and wow, Hard Knocks sucks this year. It it, it came off, I, 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 I was planning on writing an article for every single episode, and I stopped after the first one, because the first one was was really good. It I think it exposed a lot of bad parts about the Cowboys organization. It's funny because I'm the only guy that took the Cowboys to win the division in our podcast. Uh, I'm I'm with you on Dallas. Yeah, on that one. I love I love Dallas this year. They're, they're so talented, but um, uh, they're such a weird organization. I think the first episode really exposed that. Second episode terrible. 
third episode. I'm starting to think that Hard Knocks is a puff piece. I suggested it, and you said I was crazy that that HBO was beyond reproach, and they have no control over the, like the Cowboys. This is fucking it, it. It's a softball. It's terrible. Like I remember even the opening scene. There's like that crazy like 3D camera move through the star, and at first I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like this is nice like CG 3D camera move. They splice this together. Like I'm super into like the behind the scenes stuff. Ten seconds in, I'm like, why are we still doing this? Yeah. Thirty seconds in, I'm like. Okay, I get the point. A minute in, I'm like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> I thought the drone <laughs> shot was the best part of the last uh, Hard Knocks episode, yeah. personally. Yeah. But I. Uh, it was so Cowboys, too, slicing in all the like the 90s stuff. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we know. We can't, can't be a Cowboys topic without talking about the fucking past. This really is a puff piece. Like the first episode, we had, you know, uh, Jerry Jones salting his fucking uh, McGriddle, McGriddle, the saltiest sandwich on earth. Um, and then Mike McCarthy just being this cringy idiot that so he is. Do they not do Mojo Minutes anymore, or are we just editing that out? The Mojo, mo- the mojo, the mojo moments, moments have faded. We, we, we've heard nothing about the Mojo Moments. Uh, it, I, I think that they've listened to the calls, and they're just like, that, that was dumb. Uh, we're not, we're, we're not, we're not going to talk about that anymore. But, uh, yeah, I... Or HBO edited them out. This, this Hard Knocks is, is bad. Um, it's, it's really fucking bad. This last episode, uh, from, from the scenes where, you know, the, the guy with his, with his contacts is losing his contacts is like a guy who's probably not even going to make the team. Like, why are we even talking about this guy, uh, to this, uh, Camara defensive end. He's an interesting, he's an interesting story. He's the most interesting of the ones they've went into, but he's a 230 pound defensive end. He's not, he's not gonna make the team. I mean, the the, the bar's not high, Yeah, but I'm saying he's by far the most interesting one. If the international player, like I'm excited they have the program. Um, but like, it's a right guard. Like it's, it's not a sexy position. Camara is also, uh, you know, one of these international players. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's the same program though. Okay. Yeah, he's he's originally from Ivory Coast, but I think he moved over here and he's like an American citizen or green card or whatever. Right. It's on the international. I think there's like 13 people in this like international program. Um, it it does seem like it's it's like this commercial. It's like this, yeah, it's like a commercial for the Cowboys, and I don't like that. Nobody wanted to see that. We wanted to see the dirt. Yeah. So as, as as HBO, don't give us this fucking drone shot of the amazing facilities that we're seeing with with the Cowboys. Like, give us the fucking dirt, which is what we want to see. We want to see Mike McCarthy being the idiot that he is. Uh, we didn't get to see Dan Quinn because he's out on COVID right now, so he wasn't even in this episode. Dan Quinn, in my opinion, is look cringy as fuck through all these episodes. But uh, I think this this Hard Knocks episode was. I can't even I can't even believe it's worse than the last one. But I will say, out of out of everything I'm saying, um, Trayvon Diggs's son, what a what a cute yeah. little dude. Yeah, I thought it was weird that he calls his dad by his first name. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> I was Call like Trayvon. Right, I'm like, it's it, wait, dad. Like, Trayvon. Like, I would have got fucking slapped the shit out of him if I was like, hey Dan, what's up, dude? Dad. <laughs> what? <laughs> Call him dad. Yeah. Scream from the, but dude, that kid is adorable. adorable. Yeah. He was fucking like, yeah, that no, that was cool. And it was cool seeing him talk to Stefan Diggs. So you know, obviously his brother, like, that was cool seeing how they interact and, you know, they're, they're both in camp. And like, I remember having those conversations. Like I'd be at camp. Marcus would be at camp. We call each other like, how's camp? The fucking worst. <laughs> fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. That was the coolest part of the episode. Um, 
nothing else about the episode was was good at all. See, for, for me, like Hard Knocks, that's that's what it should be about. Not like I don't care what team you pick; it shouldn't be ever about the team. It's about the players, the stories, how they're communicating, yes. like the grind, like the guys getting cut, like the guys who are borderline, like like some of those where you're like, oh, I like this player, and then by the end, he he's the one who gets cut. And you're like, fuck, I was kind of rooting for him. Like that's what Hard Knocks is about. Like like the nitty gritty of that shit. I mean, it's we're literally it's called Hard Knocks. It's supposed yeah. to be about like how bad camp sucks, like how hard it is to make an NFL team. Yeah. Like these fringe guys and how fucking miserable it is. And that's what it's supposed to be about. It's not exactly. like a car. I don't care about the fucking Dallas Cowboys facility. Oh, they, poor them. They had lightning, so they had to go from their outside practice field to their inside practice field. Yeah. Like, oh, must be tough. Well, last year it was about Lance Lynn and you know his, his like you you could see Fuck from you could see from a thousand yards that Lance Lynn was just a bad. Last year, it was the Chargers and the Rams, so it was a little bit different because you could see the juxtaposition of the two organizations, and the Rams came out significantly better in every single aspect of that. Uh, and and this year, you don't have that. Uh, two years prior, it was the fucking Raiders, and that was such an entertaining hard knocks. Yeah. I want more of that. And you get like like when the back ones the Dolphins, you get those Chris Hogan moments. Like there, there's supposed to be moments like that with guys who are going to stick. And it's like these three guys, none of them are going to make it. It's bad. And and you and you, you, know, you focus in on a right guard. And I'm sorry, like watching Chris Hogan play wide receiver. Like at least you okay, he cut and he was open and he made a catch. And you're like, okay, I understand the position. But like for the average person watching this, like it's a right guard. Like you're like, oh wait, was that good? Yeah. Like it's all hand position is fucking boring. Like, and I live that life. Like, it's, this shit's boring. <laughs> the like, one, the one thing to, to take, take away from the the Cowboys from a fantasy perspective in terms of hard knocks, I think is definitely that Ceedee Lamb is for real. Yeah, guy's a freak. Yeah, I don't. I, the the two the top of that depth chart, Ceedee Lamb and Cooper. Like, you can't go wrong. Um, Jarwin's gonna eat. You know that Zeke looks good, man. He Zeke looks, looks really good. He, he's it he looks like he's in great shape. He got a little pudgy there last year, and you're like, oh, like is he gonna go on the Eddie Lacy route? Uh, but Zeke looks good, man. I'm, I'm big on Zeke this year. Zeke man. looks great. He's a fucking weirdo, but he seems to be a really good teammate. He's like, a total guys, fucking weirdo. Guys like him. Like he's a good teammate. I, I remember there was one one frame that I was like, this is why the Cowboys suck. <laughs> And it's when they're coming out and they're doing the Jerry Jones puff piece and like his when he got the team and the crowds yelling Jerry for fucking forty five seconds like what's the point like I and then they cut over and it's Jerry Jones owner slash president slash GM I was like yep that's why they fucking suck Jerry Jones he looks like a guy he looks like looks like a person you'd find like in like drowned. Like, he does. He looks like he just pulled him out of the river. You look like he just pulled it's him like out of the river. Law and order, and like, oh yeah, this guy was in the fucking river. Jerry Jones looks terrible. I I, I don't know what else to say about him. Um, and he's he's rich enough. Like he could have died like three times. Like, and he's just- he's seventy seven going on ninety nine. Like if you would have told me that Jerry Jones is ninety nine prior to this, I would have been much Believe less it. surprised. Yeah. His uh his final form is remember uh, what was it tales from the crypt or whatever yeah. the, the crypt keeper. <laughs> That's that's his final form. He looks terrible. He'll, he'll still be the GM from the crypt, though. Yeah, <laughs> I love his little comments though. Like he he, he was watching the preseason game. And he's like, "City Lamb, he looks like a good, <laughs> he looks like a good weapon." And I was just like, "Oh, okay, yeah, that's what we're all thinking." But all right, yeah. that, that's all you got. City Lamb looks like a good weapon. Yep, he does, Jerry. It, it really, it really, kind of when you uh, CD Lamb was just making me think about the uh, last year's wide receiver class, and man, how it really could be like 
when it's all said and done, legit. The oh, be- the best receiver class of all time. Insane. It, it it looks like it's going to be an insane wide receiver. Gr- that 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 whole group. Ayuk. I'm high on Ayuk. Um, I'm super fucking high on Ceedee Lamb this year. Uh, I fade Justin Jefferson just in terms of where he's being drafted in fantasy leagues. Uh, but I still think he's going to be so an insane so pro. An insane. And when we pro. get we get back to that contact tracing thing. Like that's a big reason to fade Justin Jefferson. Because if it's Kellen Mond, I don't like Jeff, Justin Jefferson that much. Yeah, we'll we'll see. You have to run some drag routes, and that's about it. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's been interesting. But yeah, hard knocks. It's I I'm going to watch the fourth episode just because the fourth fourth episode is when when you're going to get the cuts. Hopefully. I mean, at any other point in the prior uh, Hard Knocks, this is when you've seen cuts, and we haven't seen a single cut. That was, so that was, that was one of my questions, is I feel like cuts have happened by now, usually. Yeah, no, they definitely have. They're, yeah, they're, they already had... Is, um, that, is that just because they play the Hall of Fame game, so everything shifted forward a week? They should happen, for sure, in the fourth episode. Okay. So keep watching it. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch it out, just because I've seen three episodes at this point. Yes, but, yeah, I think this year they went from 90 to 85 to 80, and that's where they're at now. So they're getting ready for that final uh, 17 person cut yeah yep. and i think even in yeah, it's a puff piece like we, we went over that it is. and, and the editing is very favorable yep but even in that we're seeing why like the cowboys are who we thought they are like oh, fuck the cowboys we know why they're terrible because jerry jones is wearing three hats and <laughs> none of them well yep jerry jones is the cringy like overseer of this organization who's like so out of touch. He's like, ah, oh, CD Lamb's a good weapon. <laughs> Half expected him to be one of these guys. And I, I recently watched the uh, uh, Alec Baldwin or uh, no, Alec, what's his name? Trebek? No, the, <laughs> the, the, the actor, Alec Baldwin. Yeah, yeah. it is Alec Baldwin. Uh, Alec Baldwin roast. Oh, and yeah. it was uh, uh, one of the funniest moments of the Alec Baldwin roast is that, um, uh, what's his name from the Clippers who plays for, I don't even know who he plays Blake for. Griffin. Blake Griffin. He goes, uh, <laughs> he looks like he's one of these guys that would call an a-, a black athlete a thoroughbred. Yes. Yeah. Jerry, Jerry Jones seems like the type of guy I'd be like, oh, CD Lamb, he looks good out there. <laughs> yeah. He looks like yeah, there a thorough, some he good, looks like a thoroughbred. There were some good Blake Griffin jokes in that one too. Blake I mean, Griffin was, was awesome. I think it was Nikki Gla- it was a Nikki Glazier was like, oh, Blake Griffin looks like if you were printing a black guy and ran out of ink. Yeah. <laughs> and he was hilarious. He took it like everything oh. in stride. Like he, his jokes, whoever wrote for him, they were fucking great. Blake Griffin was great <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, it it's it's so true though. It, this is an out of touch organization, and uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Colin Cowherd had a had a take about the Cowboys, and he was off on so many points. He's like, ah, he's like, uh, the Cowboys are like the trust fund kids that have never stayed at a Marriott. Yeah. They've only stayed at Ritz Carlton's. They're soft. They're soft. Um. It's that to me is the dumbest, cringiest thing because, like, a lot of these guys, a lot of you know, players in the NFL have come from really bad situations. It's right. not like one year at the star made you forget that, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and like, I think, I think it was you that said it. It's like if, if the the, st- the state of the facilities was any indicator of success, the Bengals would be the best team in the league. Bengals would be amazing, <laughs> yeah. He uh, Colin Cowherd talked about how Mike Tyson used to used to uh prepare at like shitty gyms in vegas like 
Okay. As if Mike Tyson's like Sun Tzu. Yeah. Like, 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 like he's like Mike Tyson's planning this whole thing out. No, Mike Tyson was making the best of what he could do. That's where Don King let him work out. Yeah. In the 90s? Come on. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Different ball game. Yep. Hard Knocks has been a disaster. Yeah, no, I, I think Bad. it's terrible. And I, I'm hoping I mean, they need to hit something big next year to revive it because this year has been fucking bad. I agree. All right, guys. Any other takes? Well taken out. All right. All right. I'm already dead on that hill. We're, <laughs> we're taken out. All right, guys. We're going to close this out. We got, we, we've got 90 minutes, which is a, a good mark. I figure we would since we're all together in the same spot. Um, let's go ahead and close this thing out. Uh, from all of us here at the Sports Memory Podcast, good night, everybody. <laughs>